0: This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring
1: out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. One day. There was a woman who was interviewing this prospective butler to work in her house. And she asked him this question. Are you trained to serve guests? Now this prospective butler replied, yes, ma'am. I have been trained to serve guests both ways. Both ways. So the woman looked puzzled. Both ways. What do you mean both ways? And this prospective butler replied, I have been trained to serve them so they'll come again. Or so they'll stay away. You just have to let me know which way you desire for each guest. (laughs) Now, would you say that you have been trained to serve? that, That fellow was trained to serve. Because do you want to do that? I mean, if you think about it, if I had that kind of money and I had a butler and he said that to me, I would be tempted to hire him because there might be some guests. I mean, okay, I'm ready for this guy to leave. What can we do to try to help move that along? <laughs> but, you know, serving serving is not something that comes naturally to most folks, is it? Living a life of service is an art that needs to be cultivated and today we are going to start a, a new series. I might break it up here for the radio program, but going to, we're going to call this Serving Like Jesus. Now, obviously, Jesus was a servant uh, and his followers as well. We are called to be like the Lord Jesus. But what does it really mean to be a servant? What kinds of thoughts and, and attitudes should a servant have? What kinds of behaviors will come from you know that kind of right attitude? And, and there are perils that servants encounter. How do we overcome them? What are the rewards? It's so many questions. And these are just a few of the questions and issues that we'll be addressing, hopefully, throughout this series. Well, one of the resources I'm going to be using is a book from Charles Swindoll. Now, I know Charles Swindoll. We don't know. We may not agree with everything he, he says, and I don't. But he did write a, some good books and he wrote one, way back when, uh, called Improving Your Serve: The Art of Unselfish Living. So I'm gonna be delving into some of the things he's written into that. But let's go back to that original question. What does it really mean to be a servant? You know, And it, it helps to uh, start with what is it that pops in your mind when, when someone says servant, especially from up here at the pulpit, what comes to your mind? Do you think of the slaves of Egypt you know, building the pyramids? And if that's the image that immediately comes to mind, then the idea of being a servant may not be very appealing, is it? We always think of a slave, don't we? So if our n- notion of a slave is this you know, poor, pathetic creature who's virtually without a purpose in life, bent over, crushed spirit, lacking self-esteem, dirty, weary, ugh, mm, not too many people are going to jump at the chance of being a servant, are they? If that has been your idea of what it means to be a servant, then good news, that's not what God means by servanthood. What I want to remind us today and throughout this series is that one of God's major objectives for each one of us is that we be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. That's Romans 8, verses twenty eight and 29, where Paul writes, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Maybe you have never thought about it like that. That God's major objective is that each of us is to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. Obviously, there are many things about Jesus that we should want to imitate his walk with the Lord, God, his knowledge of scripture, his prayer life, his purity. But what about the example of service? I think that that is one of the most important ways that God wants us to conform to the likeness of his son. So, we're going to be delving into the scripture found in Matthew chapter 20 verse 28, and here's how Jesus characterized his own life and purpose. He said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his, ransom, uh, his life a ransom for many. How? Now, isn't that simple and clear? Jesus came to serve and to give. And if that was true for him, that should be true for us. That's what God wants for us. And after bringing us into his family through our faith in his Son, God sets his sights on building into us that same quality that made Jesus distinct from all others in his day. And for that matter, from anyone who had ever walked the face of the earth, God wants to build in us the same serving and giving qualities that characterized his Son. Now, in many ways, there is nothing more refreshing than seeing someone with a servant's heart and a giving spirit. I like the story about Colonel James Irwin. He's a former astronaut, uh, part of the crew that made a successful moonwalk back in 1971. And he often spoke of the thrill connected with leaving this planet, seeing the, the Earth shrinking in size. And while watching the Earth rise one day in space, man, he realized just how privileged he was to be a member of that unique crew of Apollo 15. So on his way back to Earth, he was thinking about these things, uh, about the way you know many would consider him a superstar. How could you not? Man, he just went around the, the Earth, he, he walked on the moon. International celebrity, right? But his relationship with God would not allow any of this to go to his head. So I want... This quote I want to give to you, this is not something you can find easily from NASA. They never quote this i don 't know. they should. This is a great attitude, but here 's how he expressed his thoughts and words to, to people of when he was there before the cameras. He said this: "As I was returning to Earth, I realized that I was a servant, not a celebrity. So I'm here as God's servant on planet Earth to share what I have experienced that others might know the glory of God. (laughs) Wow. That basic motto would help all of us Christ followers. I'm a servant, not a celebrity. Like Jesus, I'm here to serve and not, not to be served. Great attitude. But... It is so easy to lose sight of that primary calling as we go about our daily life in our well self absorbed world. If you're like me, you know, you sometimes think I wish I could go back in time and sit at the feet of Jesus. How great it must have been to sit as one of the twelve. Soak up all those truths as Jesus taught. I mean, if I had been there with the Lord Jesus and the twelve, it would have been so much easier. To learn this idea of being a servant, right? You ever think that way? Do you ever think that it must have been easier for the disciples who were physically with Jesus to follow him and become a servant like him? If and when we think that way, we are wrong. We're wrong. Because it wasn't easier for them to get it. Matter of fact, they often failed to get it right. So I want to turn our attention back to Matthew chapter 20. The popularity of Jesus, that's on the rise. The knowledge of his kingdom, that's spreading. People were anxious to to get on the bandwagon and, and to position themselves in this growing movement. And the Bible tells us there in Matthew 20, verses 20 and 21, says this, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, what do you wish?" she said to him, "Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may set one on your right and one on your left." Well, we shouldn't be too tough uh, on this this mother of the sons of Zebedee. You know, picture her standing there. She's with her sons and what mother does not want what is best for her kids. I mean, don't they and they're so you can understand what she's looking for. She's not looking for anything for herself. She's looking for something for her kids. Good mom. She lo- was looking for a break in life for her kids and that would lead to nice promotion or good jobs or, or position. And so her request is tempered by the proper perspective. She didn't ask her sons to occupy the center of the throne. She knew that that place belonged to the Lord Jesus. But she did ask for her sons James and John to be candidates for the thrones 2 and 3. Right? And nothing wrong with that, I don't think. I can understand that. She's a mom. I think that's awesome for her. Don't want that for her kids. And in case you're wondering how the other ten apostles felt about this mother's request, verse 24 tells us that they had become indignant. Indignant. And well, what that means is they were likely angry that they had not been the first to come up and make that same request. <laughs> and they were not going to give up those spots without a fight right I mean, you and i would likely have uh, reacted the same way i mean i'd be i think i might be, be like, what oh man. why i want that spot so here's the initial reply from jesus he says in verse 22 you do not know what you are asking are you able to drink the cup that i'm about to drink so he understands, I, I, I get what you're asking, mother of <laughs> the sons of Zebedee. I get what you're asking, but you don't understand what you're asking. You, you, you're, you're asking good. I like what you're looking for for your sons, but you don't get it. You don't get it. This is not going to be an earthly kingdom. This isn't going to be easy. um uh, So the uh, the boys, though foolishly, answered Jesus. You know, when he asked, "Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink?" Oh, we can, no problem. Jesus, piece of cake. We can do it. So keep in mind, though, that in the three verses that had preceded their mother's request, Jesus had said that he was going to Jerusalem, where he would be betrayed, condemned, mocked, flogged, beaten, crucified. Obviously, this mother and her sons didn't understand, uh, I mean, if they had been listening and thinking, when he said, are you able to drink the, the cup that I'm going to drink from? Because I just told you what I'm going to be t- doing and going through. But in spite of all that, Jesus had said that she and her sons were imagining a kingdom with emperors, with jeweled crowns, palaces protected by soldiers, subjects, slaves serving at the top of the pyramid, right? Right. The Bible tells us Jesus pulled all the disciples aside and attempted to straighten out their thinking. Verses 25 to 28. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you, if you want to have the positions of two and three, Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Right? You see how Jesus spelled out a sharp contrast between his philosophy and the philosophy of the world? Pretty strong. The key phrase, whoever wants to become great among you. Must be your servant. These have become forgotten words, in a for, and a, a forbidden concept here in our world. And unfortunately, sadly, much of Christianity forgotten these words. Mega churches. There's often celebrity preachers. They call themselves pastors, but celebrity pastors, high-powered executives, superstar singers, right? But even in the smallest of congregations, the notion of serving rather than being served, that can get lost. Even in the smallest of churches, the preacher or leaders may demand special title or a special parking spot, special treatment. Oh, yeah. There's a man in Third John chapter 1, uh, di- Diotrephes. I always forget. I need to look up how to say his name. Di- Diotrephes. He was openly rebuked by the Apostle John. Now, what was this guy doing that was so wrong? Well, here's what John says in Third John. How often do we turn to the third letter of John right before you get to, to Jude and Revelation? It's in verses 9 and 10. There's only one chapter. More, a very small letter. John writes, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does unjustly, accusing us with wicked words. And not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren either, and he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. Diotrophes considered himself the boss. He was large and in charge, and the, the mentality and behavior of this fella has no place, none, among the followers of Christ. Perhaps the best model we have next to Jesus himself is that of the Apostle Paul. Now, as you know, Paul was a preeminent leader in the Jewish hierarchy of Jesus' day. But after an encounter with the risen Christ at the, the road to Damascus, he became a servant of Christ. So almost without exception, Paul began every piece of correspondence that he wrote with these words. Paul, a servant of God. Or Paul, a bond uh, slave of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? This man who certainly could have expected preferential treatment or could have demanded a high and mighty role of authority over others referred to himself most often as a servant of God. Jesus himself. Is the only one who deserves the place of preeminence. He is the only one who deserves to be served. In Colossians chapter one, verses eighteen and th- eighteen through twenty, here's what Paul writes. He writes, "He, that's Jesus, he is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have." First place in everything, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself. Having made peace through the blood of His cross, through Him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Also, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, Paul challenges us to have the attitude of Jesus himself. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, the Father. And I love that passage. Philippians 2 5 through 11. Great passage. Jesus was willing to become a servant. And that required leaving his heavenly position, coming to earth as a human, su- and suffering death by crucifixion. Now, now think about that. We, we use the term servant. Like I was talking about this from uh, the book of Genesis when Jacob was getting his wives, Rachel, Leah, from Laban, and Laban gave his those girls when they were married to him, uh, a maid, one of his maids uh, that go with them. And that term maid is not the Hebrew word. We we put that there to make it sound better. What it is, and they do that because, anyway, the literal term is slave girl there. And here that term servant, I should look that up in my Greek before I say this probably. In fact, I'm going to do that right now. Um, the reason I I want to look up the Greek word, make sure I'm right. I'm pretty sure it is, but yeah, doulos. Doulos is the Greek term there for bond servant. It's a slave. It's a word for a slave. And a slave has no no rights. Now Jesus could take his rights, but he decide he doesn't. And even though we spit on him, we crucified him, we beat him, crucified, him, we rejected him, he still died for us like a slave. Amazing. Amazing willing to become a slave, a servant. And it required him to leave his position there in heaven. But after doing all that, he returns to his rightful place beside the Father. And he is worthy to be served as Lord. That's who Jesus was before he came to earth. And that's who Jesus is right now. But even though that's who Jesus was and who Jesus is, notice again. How he thought and acted while he was here on earth. Matthew 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to serve and give. One of the clearest pictures Jesus painted for us of what it means to be a servant is found in John 13. And this is a picture that we, likely come back, uh, we will likely come back to again and again in this series. And John sets the stage for this event saying that it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew his time on earth was quickly coming to an end. He wanted to show his disciples the full extent of his love. So all the disciples, they they arrived to the upper room where where the preparations for the Passover meal had been made. And surprisingly, no servant there to greet them at the door. That was the customary thing, was to have their feet washed at a bowl basin and refreshed their, their tired, dirty feet. That was the custom. So, Dirty feet and all, they reclined at the table. They began to enjoy a meal. About halfway through the meal, John 13, verses 4 through 5, Jesus got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. The disciples were uncomfortable with Jesus' action. Peter initially strongly protested, but he relented after Jesus clarified things when Jesus said, Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Well, don't just wash my feet, Lord, Peter would say. Wash, me, wash, wash all of me. The Bible goes on in verses 12 to 17. So when Jesus had washed their feet and taken his garment and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash other uh, wash one another's feet, for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. God wants us to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus came to serve and to give. He, he was willing to serve by washing feet. If we will be like him, if we if we are willing, if we will be willing to serve and to give and, and even wash feet, we'll be blessed. I like this quote From this book, uh, Seismic Shifts, this guy says, Picture a church in which everyone wants to be served. Each person believes the church exists to meet their needs, to make them happy, to cater to their whims and tastes. Imagine a congregation in which everyone has a take-care-of-me attitude and is quick to complain whenever things are not just the way they feel they should be. Sadly, some people don't have to use their imagination to picture such a church. End quote. That kind of church will never have a positive impact on the world. It will grow small, it will grow inward, and it will grow unhealthy. This kind of church does not honor Jesus and bring glory to God. This is not a church ruled by a servant spirit. Now imagine a church in which every single person has a passion to serve others. Think about what God could do through a group of people who are committed to sacrificial ministry in each other. These people know that the Holy Spirit uh, has given them unique abilities. That's the spirit of... Anyway, I won't get into that. Those are spiritual gifts that are to be used for the building up of people and bringing glory to God. So they are purposeful about discovering this gift. God gave it to them. Developing and using them, what could God do through such a church? I believe that we are in the process of becoming that kind of church here at North Valley. A congregation, a church where people are serving like Jesus. Becoming that kind of church made up of those kinds of individuals begins with arming ourselves with the attitude of Jesus. Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve and to give. And how much did he give? His whole self, his life. Are we willing to do the same? As I close this out, I want to give you this story. It's from the 2001 movie Pearl Harbor. It tells the story of two friends, Rafe and, and uh, Danny, who survived the attack on Pearl Harbor. They enter World War II as fighter pilots. And in training before the war, Rafe McCauley was one of, the America, one of America's top fighter pilots. When the U.S. initially held back from entering the war, he had volunteered to help the British in their fight against the Germans. And when he first arrived uh, at the English airfield, he walked uh, by some British planes that had been shot up from the previous day of battle. And he's greeted by a commander of the British squadron. And as the commander showed him the plane he would be flying, a messenger announced to the commander that two more British planes had just been shot down. The commander then turned to Rafe and asked, Are all Yanks as anxious as you to get themselves killed? He immediately replied, I am not anxious to die, sir. I'm anxious to matter. I suppose that's what most of us want for our lives. We want our lives to make a difference. We're not anxious to die for Jesus, we're not anxious to be servants, we are anxious to matter. When we follow Jesus and serve like, him, like he served, then our lives will make an eternal difference for us and for others. So I want to invite you to continue with me throughout this series as we endeavor to learn to serve like Jesus served. Let us make the most of every opportunity. Thank bring you, out, and God bless. Till the sinful world
0: be won For Jehovah's mighty Son Ring it out Ring it, it, it out This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. Be sure to check out the podcast for this program on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com To find it, just go to the website and click on the podcast link at the top of the page